Nick and Matt Jackson. You're listening to the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Suck Welcome to episode 138 of the Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. This is Corey Richmond, joined as always by my favorite co-host that I've had so far, Jason Anthony Brooks. Jason, how you doing today? And uh, are you ready for uh, CM Punk, Packer football? Backlash and the 400 other things going on this weekend. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on. A, a great weekend of sports, a great weekend of wrestling and MMA. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. I totally forgot Backlash was this weekend. I'm so pumped for football. It's like that's right. There's wrestling. There's CM Punk. It's nuts. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I, I really do wonder. And I put up a poll at Workshoot Pod, which very small sample size. Uh, of uh, seven people, five, four, two against. But I asked uh, how many people were actually interested in CM Punk's debut this weekend, slash even knew that, you know, he was doing this. And for a whopping 86%, five votes to two, people apparently do care and are interested in uh, seeing CM Punk in the next couple of hours fight Mickey Gall. So I'll ask you right off the top. Tonight, if you have the time, Will you yes, watch the fight? I don't even have to finish the question. Yes, I absolutely am very interested to watch the fight. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm like a 10 in my interest level of seeing if this guy can fight. Absolutely. He's one of my five favorite wrestlers of all time, probably. And he's a guy who I really want to see if he could do this. I mean, it's funny. I think, I think if you were the UFC right now, I think you have to be a little bit worried on the idea that there isn't, there doesn't seem to be this huge gauge of wrestling fans who are going out of their way, you know, like on how Twitter. We, how do we know that? I think based on social media with Twitter and Facebook and Periscope and these different things, it's not like, I don't think right now if you went on Twitter, it's one of the top three or four trending topics, I don't think, which, you know, other UFCs when it's like Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar. But we gotta see when the fight starts, Corey. I mean, the fight is, I mean, the fight's hours away. Absolutely. It hasn't even started yet. True, but you know what? It's one of those things where Punk's on bad terms with the WWE with this lawsuit, which will, you know, basically will never end with, with the doctor. And so WWE, unlike with Brock Lesnar or, you say, like Mickey, uh, when Mick Foley had his book when he was in TNA, there's, there's no advertising on WWE programming for it, you know. You don't really hear. I mean, the biggest thing you heard was uh, in a video on UFC.com, Mick Foley say, "You know, good luck to uh, to CM Punk." But other than that, you know, I think like the Young Bucks who aren't part of the WWE on Twitter today said, "You know, good luck to Punk." But it's one of those things where the WWE, which you would wish, you know, wasn't going to happen because of the situation, you know, put a little thing behind this, and this number for the, for this fight could be huge. You know, I, I think it can. I mean, I think it still can. I. Um... I do think the, the interest level is different than Brock because I think people thought Brock really could win. And I think we talked about it. Um, I don't know if we were even doing the podcast. I don't think we were, but I remember talking to you about it. And I thought Brock was a former NCAA champion in wrestling. Sure. Of course he has a chance. He might not be great, but of course he's a chance. Whereas CM Punk is just a former in-ring wrestling guy who became this MMA fighter with two years of training. So who knows what he's got. Um, so 
I think maybe that's part of it. I agree with you that it isn't as much as, you know, the Brock fervor for his first fight isn't as much as CM Punk's. I definitely agree with you there. And I think that could be because of the fact people don't think CM Punk's going to win. I mean, and you know, UFC, I'm a huge fan of the UFC. You've over the years become more of a casual fan of the UFC, which I don't think is anything that's out of line here, me saying that. But I, I think that one of the things that, and I think because Punk is trying to be very humble. I mean, at the weigh-ins, we finally saw a little bit more of the CM Punk you know, style come out. But I think he's he realizes that he's getting an opportunity that most people don't think he deserves. So he hasn't been the boisterous CM Punk with pipe bombs or anything. So I, it's not like he's... We've had the evolution of Punk over the last four weeks on FS1, but it's not like we're, we're seeing, you know, the classic Punk, which, you know, made him a star in the WWE. Well, it can't be. I mean, it, this is not a, a, a ripped sport. Right, I absolutely. Mean, this is, uh, this, I mean, he's not... And he has no... He, he can't say he's the best in the world. He can't say any of that stuff. So, yeah, he, he, he he's like um, a new guy coming in, having to prove himself. So, yeah, it's a little different than when he came to the WWE, where even in developmental, he thought he was better than everyone. You know what I'm saying? And he, he was. Uh, it's a little bit different now, for sure. It's true. And like I said, I, I'm i going to be watching this fight tonight. I mean, like most times there's a UFC fight nowadays, I'll be going to work basically right at, at midnight when the when the main event and, you know, other major fights will be starting. But I'm hoping to get out there tonight to watch the fight and see how everything goes. And I think it's a really unique statement for CM Punk in his future where people who you trust, the Dave Meltzers of the world and the John Pollock say that this, like the average UFC uh, pay-per-view nowadays can get somewhere around like 270,000 buys, somewhere around there. So anything after that number is all going to be based on CM Punk's mainstream popularity and what the crossover is with the, the wrestling fans that are going to either be watching to see, wrestling or UFC fans are going to either be watching to see him win or watching to go and say, this guy's a joke. I want to see this guy get knocked out. Yeah, if I had to guess, I'd say that this, this pay-per-view does better than normal. I don't think it does Brock Lesnar-level shows, but I think it does better than normal for sure. Um, if it does Brock Lesnar numbers, they'll, they'll build this man a statue. He'll have to win. But yes, I, I think it'll be a better-than-average pay-per-view in, uh, in terms of numbers for sure. And like I said, anyone who's got any idea what's going on, Mickey Gall's only fought twice. He's fought for less than a round in the UFC. I mean, he's looked dominant in both performances. Uh, CM Punk has trained on and off due to injuries over the last two years. It's hard to really judge because we've never really seen CM Punk except little clips in the uh, Evolution of Punk uh, documentary, which I actually thought was really well done over the last four weeks. But, you know, it's really hard to say that, you know, CM Punk, what CM Punk is. I mean, I think most people will pick that He's going to lose, which I think is the safe bet. I think everybody thinks he's going to lose. <laughs> I don't know. Does anybody think this guy's going to win? You got Mickey Gall, who was fought a couple times and looked good against a guy who we've never seen fight before. Right. I mean, and I believe the number right now is plus 440 on Gall and, uh, sorry, minus 440 on Gall and uh, plus 350 on CM Punk. So CM Punk's a heavy underdog. Heavy underdog. And like I said, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping that, you know, like I think Jay is hoping this man doesn't get seriously hurt, no major injuries. If this is a one-and-done thing, it was. A, we give him all the respect in the world for trying doing this. Hopefully, you know, but hey, somehow he wins, 
maybe we've got another star and a crossover success, but let, let's hope he gets out of the first round and, you know, this isn't a 12-second fight with, you know, CM Punk, you know, being carted off or something. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I mean, Alistair Overeem, who's fighting in the main event of this fight, he was quoted as saying, CM Punk is either going to lose in this fight or he's going to win in this fight and lose the next one. Like, there's no... Basically, he predicted no chance of success for this guy within the next two fights. So maybe he gets lucky and wins this one, but then he feels like he'd lose his next one because they probably would give him a better opponent. Right. So it's 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 interesting. And give UFC credit, and they do a good job with their fans because they're not going to put Sam Punk against a Hammonator because they know that the fans would see right through that and it would not be believable. Absolutely. Um, so I think they did a nice job of putting him against an opponent where if he beats the opponent, it's not a you know it's not a big deal because the opponent's a young guy anyway. Um, and if he loses to him, well, then it is what it, it is what it is, and he's not good enough. He's not cut out for them. So um, I don't know, Corey. I, I mean, again, who knows, right? Watching the documentary, you saw one guy in Gaul, and then you saw another guy in Punk. From their training, again, this is very, very small. Oh, sure, right. You know, small sh- sample. It didn't even look close. It looked like Gaul really knew what the hell he was doing, and Punk was still trying to figure it out. So it's also hard because we see all these guys in M- MMA, and they've been training for years and years and years, Corey, fighting in these you know, lower card shows. They have lower card shows in Rochester all the time of MMA shows. Oh, really? These guys have been training for, yeah, these guys have been training for years and years. He's, you know, like kind of like the indies of, the, of of wrestling, you know, and these lower cards trying to work their way up, training for years. And now you got a guy who trained for basically a year and change because he's been hurt so much and he's 38 years old. I mean, I, I don't, Again, things do happen, and he's got a you know a puncher's chance for sure. But I I don't see it. I think the only chance is if Gall goes in overconfident. I think if he goes in overconfident, he's a young guy, that might trip him up. But other than that, I, I don't I don't know how I see uh, Punk winning the, uh, the match. Agreed. And you know what? We've never seen this. Uh, we've never seen Gall take a take a punch really. I mean, so we'll see what happens. But last thing on this before we move on to wrestling, I just want to get your opinion on this. I know you didn't watch these shows when they happened live. You watched the last two, you know, recently. But do you think the UFC made a mistake on having the uh, these shows air directly against Monday Night Raw, 9.30 on Monday for the last four weeks instead of being on possibly another day of the week where it wasn't conflicting against wrestling fans who may have wanted to watch this? Nah, because they've replayed it a million times. It's been on a million times. So, um, you know, it's not, I mean, it's Fox Sports, right? If they're not showing sports, baseball, whatever, they don't really have much going on in the evening programming. So it's been on a million times. So I don't, I don't think it's a big deal at all. Okay. Uh, anyone, anyone who's wanted to see it has seen it. And, yeah, essentially. Makes sense. Uh, moving on, we had the return of Lucha Underground this week. Uh, Jay, you were a lot more critical. <laughs> Zero fear, yes. Uh, the, the things that people do not see on the on the Google uh, Hangout as we do this as an audio podcast, not a video one at this point. But um, you were a lot more critical on season two than I was. Uh, there was a lot of things that could have been fixed, that should have been done better. 
what'd you think? A couple of moments here. What'd you think of season three, episode one of Lucha Underground? I really enjoyed it. I thought the Mysterio Pentagon Dark match was very good. Um, I think Ty is very good in the ring. Her and Sexy Star had a pretty good match. Um, I I like they already told you a match that's going to be an Ultima Lucha Trace, and that's going to be a big build up with um, Katrina and Eva Lise. Um, that's been a match that's been like three years in the making, so I think that's tremendous. Um, Matanza, of course, got carried by another great opponent in Son of Havoc, so they he Son of Havoc actually carried him to a decent match. Um, and Dara Cueto was on the show a lot, which sometimes you're like, oh, it, it's a you know too many authority figures, but I love Cueto, so I didn't think it was a bad thing. So overall, I thought it was a pretty good show, um, definitely an enjoyable show. I think a bit more like the first season. They didn't give you 18 million characters. They didn't give you a lot of different things. I love what they did at the end with Puma, where he was a guy who was kind of figuring out what he's going to do and who he's going to be this season. So overall, I thought a very, very solid episode. So you think they're they're back on track, or do you still need some time before you fully get behind this and say, this is is now going to be the best show every week on TV like you felt during season one? Well, yeah, let, let's give it a chance. I mean, we're still going to have Pentagon Jr. or um, uh, Matanza uh, there every week. So th- there's still a chance that there's going to be some shows that aren't great, especially if the shows are censored around Matanza. So we've got to kind of see what's going to happen. But uh, if they don't inundate us with new characters and keep some of the storylines pretty simple, I think it'll be a very good, show, uh, very good season. You know, it, it's very funny. T- taking... Taking, you know, the idea of kayfabe away for a second with the Matanza character, the guy who plays him, Jeff Cobb. I've seen Jeff Cobb in other matches online, you know, through YouTube and other other ways. The guy is a very good worker. I think it's the the style uh, that he has. I don't know. To, I don't know that he's. A, I don't know that he's. A have you seen Have you seen uh, Jeff Cobb out of the Matanza character? I've seen him in. A, I've seen ten of his matches already. I, I think it is what it is. You either couldn't. You're either good in ring or you're not. I mean, Matanza does some fancy moves. He does some nice suplexes. He does some fancy moves. I, I mean, I don't disagree with you that one of the problems is that he's built up as a monster, and I don't think he's that. I do think that that's probably a bigger problem than him. But still, he, he's not that guy. And he's not a guy who should be out there every week that we're seeing every week wrestling. Actually, I, I won't disagree. I, I don't disagree with that by any stretch. But I just and, to- and, he's, and he's also going against better opponents. Everyone he goes against is better. I mean, we talk about the quality of wrestling, and you know, NXT has jobbers. Even Raw has jobbers. Everyone at Lucha Underground's good. Like, there's nobody in the company who is like that. I've seen anyway where it's like, man, this person's not a good in-ring worker at all. Everybody is really, really good. So I think that also makes Matanza look worse as well. I, I see that. Like I said, I just wanted to throw that out there that I, I agree with you that Matanza as a character is flawed, to put it nicely. And I think the idea of how he's, how he's portrayed makes his matches a certain type of way that aren't very – don't come off, I think, at times as appeasing to the eye. But yeah, I, well, think I think, I think the matches aren't booked great either. I mean, he's, the matches aren't booked great either. He's, like, getting beaten up in, like, the ma- most of the match. He's supposed to be a monster. And even if he's not supposed to be a monster, he's still bigger than most of the guys he goes against. And he's losing most of the time. So it, it, 
the way the matches are booked doesn't make a lot of sense either. Agreed. Uh, you ready for the return of Marty the Ma- uh, Marty the Moth Martinez next week versus Killshot? I like Marty the Moth. I think that could be a good match. And I love how they made Cueto even like, man, this dude really is crazy. <laughs> that look on Cueto's face at the end of that, like, dude, this dude really is crazy. So, yeah, I love the setup. Um, I like Marty the Moth. I think he's a good mid-card character. Um, and I think that should be a fun match next week. Agreed. Unfortunately, it's the only match that we know about for next week. But uh, I really did like the I liked the first episode. The stuff they're doing with Johnny Johnny Mundo, uh, I think, is going to be an interesting story to tell over the, this season. I'm really hoping that we get see a, a lot more of season one and season two point one. I guess you want to say everything leading up to Phoenix winning the title and getting back to those type of storytelling. And I guess in that way is you got to take the title off of Matanza for that to happen. I mean, I don't want to blame Matanza for every problem with the company, but I think the sooner they get the title off of Matanza, I think they could tell a lot more interesting and different stories. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And like I said, and I'll agree with you 100%. I thought Mysterio and uh, Pentagon Dark was very, was very well done. And I'm... I, I believe by the end of the season, Pentagon will have that title at some point. So for anybody who's a little upset that he lost to Rey Mysterio and he hasn't gotten that maybe signature win yet, I think it's coming. It's definitely got to come. All right. We'll see what happens. You don't agree? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do, how much they want to keep this belt on Matanza, um, and, and how they want to, how they want to proceed with it. All right, uh, moving on to uh, CWC this week. We had uh, Rick. Sw- uh, we had Swan versus uh, Perkins. Another very good match, and it's just it's funny. And I know neither one of us has been super, you know, enthralled or blown away by Zack Saber Jr.'s performances so far. Even though I thought it was a better performance versus Noah Noah and Dark this uh, Dar this week. But he gets overshadowed again by this Perkins versus um, Rich Swan match, which I thought was one of the better matches of the tournament. Absolutely. I, I thought the match was absolutely tremendous. Loved it. Loved the story. Loved how Perkins hugged him at the end, right after he after he finished him off. Loved how they weren't flying around the whole time. They really did some back-based wrestling, too. And even how uh, Brian, Brian, Daniel Bryan was saying that Swan had to go to more of a power game because he couldn't use his, you know, he couldn't fly around the ring. So he had to alter his game a little bit. I thought it was a tremendous match. Um, I'm a huge, huge TJ Perkins fan. I have been for a long time. And, yeah, those are two of the best guys in the tournament for sure. Um, I think you could say those two along with Kota Ibushi, they're probably, in my opinion, the three, you know, maybe Cedric Cedric Alexander too. Those are probably the four best guys. Um, that I've seen in the tournament so far, and um, it was a great match. And we'll kind of see what happens. I think I do think uh, Saber Junior. and Noam Dar had a good match. It, w- it was a good match. Um, I, I think Saber Junior.'s style is just different. You know what I mean? And it takes some getting used to. And also, I think we've heard so much about him and how great he is. And he's the best thing ever, and this and that. And so I think we came in with these crazy expectations and so we haven't been blown away 
And so I think that's also been part of part of the thing. He's had good matches, but he hasn't had. I don't think he's had one of the five or six best matches in this tournament. I I totally agree. I mean, I like the Gulak match. I thought it was a very different style match, but he's one of those guys that it just hasn't it just hasn't clicked on the level that I'm, I guess that we're used to. I guess so. It's, it will be interesting to see how that goes, but. Um, and I do apologize. We're moving a lot of things, you know, fast. And we're going to end with Backlash, I think, this week. Getting through everything. But next week is going to be the two-hour season finale for the CWC before they all wind up on Raw and hopefully don't become, you know, playthings for, for Braun Strongman. Um, but so what, what's your thoughts here? Perkins versus Abushi and Zack Sabre versus Grand Metallic. Whichever one you want to start with first, where do you see where do you see this going? Um, I can see an upset with Grand Metallic because Sabre Jr. We know um, from all the reports isn't signing with the WWE right now, and I think Grand Metallic will sign. I think Grand Metallic's awesome as well, and so I could see them doing something where they have Metallic upset Sabre Jr. Um, and go into the main event to face. I think Abushi's definitely going to win. And I think Abushi wins the whole thing. But, you know, they're saying Abushi may not sign either. It, it's funny, right? So we thought for sure we're getting Abushi against Sabre Jr. That's going to be it. That's what we're getting. Now both of the favorites to reach the finals supposedly aren't going to re-sign with the company. Where does that lead them? And so I do think Abushi wins. I still think Abushi wins a tournament. But my question for you, Corey, is do you have Abushi win the tournament knowing that he's not going to be in the WWE full-time on Raw. So you have this Cruiserweight Classic, and the guy who wins the tournament, is it going to be Is it going to be there? I think it's interesting. I, that's, I, we brought that up a couple of weeks ago, the idea that the two biggest names in this tournament may not be on Monday Night Raw you know, the following week. Uh, I, I personally think that there is a chance that Ibushi still signs. I mean, I think that sometimes they try to keep things from the audience and say that, we don't know if this is going to happen or not. Um, I think Ibushi wins the tournament. I, th- I think I think we see Ibushi on Raw next week. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I I would go. I think you've got to go with Saber versus Ibushi because those are the two biggest names and the two guys that people have been looking forward to seeing each other face. You know, one another most. But I think there's a story with T.J. Perkins. You know. Coming from coming from nothing, you know. I mean, they, they haven't brought up the idea that you know he played the character, you know, suicide and you know, and TNA and everything. But I mean, this guy was a guy who was basically thrown away by TNA when they shouldn't be throwing anybody. You know, most most of the time, not but, him, not TJ Perkins. I mean, they not. they had this guy who's a, a good looking dude, had, relatable with the fans, and they had him in a mask for you know, basically you know, three years. I mean. Welcome to TNA. And, and now, you know, this is what I will say with TNA, though. We've ripped them a lot. They're doing a lot better right now, I will say. but you know They're good. doing better. And I think if TJ Perkins were to come in now, they wouldn't do what they did with him. Mm-hmm. I think if he came in now, they wouldn't do that. From everything you've told me and everything I've read. So I, I will say that. But they, and listen, we've seen this with Drew Galloway, with Sandow. Listen, the WWE messes up plenty of times, too. But with Perkins, they absolutely messed up. They, they absolutely messed up. And I think he's going to be 
a potential star in the WWE. I'm not saying he's going to be a world champion or anything, but I think he's going to make good money. I think he's going to be someone the fans really like, and I think he's going to do really well there. I I agree. So, I mean, I guess my prediction, like I said, I'm going to go with Ibushi versus Sabre with Ibushi winning, the, winning it. I mean, only thing that could scare you a little bit is in the TV generation that we're in, especially if he's going to be on Monday Night Raw, the idea that Ibushi doesn't speak a lick of English, you know, may cause him not to be, you know, maybe not win this tournament because they want to get a guy who can get on that mic and talk when he has to, which, you know, yeah. which T.J. Perkins can do, and Zack Sabre Jr. could possibly do a little bit here and there, but I think this has been a really good tournament. I mean, I really think what they've done and revitalized the career of, of the Brian Kendrick has been spectacular. And I, I think- agree. I, I, and and uh, I think uh, it was Will Pruitt who noted this on Twitter. He said that, you know, the Kendrick storyline is one of the best storylines that WWE's had in a long time. And I agree. Um, you know, a friend of mine was like, oh, his matches aren't great or whatever. But that was the story, is that he's this older dude going against these guys who are younger, who are better than him. And he needs to find ways to figure it out. This guy who came back from, I don't know, Corey, you can tell me whether it was drug addiction issues or whatever. I believe to so. Come, yeah, so to come back from battling these issues to still be a part of this tournament and you know, busting his ass, I thought it was a tremendous. I think this tournament's been one of the best things WWE's ever done. I, I think it's not even close. And... Um, it's been great, and, and his storyline, you're right, has been tremendous. And I, I do see him back on the main roster at some point, yeah. for sure. And you know what? Uh, Rick Swan, I think, can be a – I don't know if he can be a star, but I think he can be a guy who really gets the crowd behind him every week on Raw. I mean, I think Gargano, and to a little bit lesser extent, Ciampa, I think could do really well on, you know, on that main-level roster. I mean, I think they have some things. I mean, it's all going to come down at the end of the day – how they're booked every week on Raw, and if they, like I jokingly said before, become a plaything for, you know, the monsters of the company. Yeah, I, I mean, that's going to be a whole other thing altogether, Corey. I, I, have, oh, I have no idea. I really don't know what they're going to do. I will say this. I think we'll know pretty quickly what they do. If they make these guys cut promos, if they give these guys a chance to stand out, if they do on Raw what they've done with the women on SmackDown. If they do that, then these guys will have a chance. If they make them just go out there and not give them individual storylines and not give them characters, and they just make them go out there and flippity floppity, then it'll we know where it's going. They'll be eventually losing a Brian Strowman. So we'll see what happens. But I think we'll know very we'll know within the first month or two. I think where they're going with it and what and what they see from these cruiserweights, whether they take them seriously or not. Absolutely. And like I said, it's been a really good show, really good tournament. And I'm, I'm really interested to see where they go from here. Is the next thing a women's tournament? Is the next thing making the Dusty Invitational like they did last year a bigger thing than, you know, it was on NXT, you know, being more than just NXT? It'll be interesting what the next big thing is. I think they, they figured out something here with this tournament format on the network, more than just doing, you know, a one-night thing with, like, a King of the Ring type of thing. I, I, I want to see what they do next. What, what would you like to see? Would you like to see a women's tournament, a tag team tournament? What would you like to see? Yeah, so I think women's is what they've been talking That's the rumor that, that they're talking about next, and I think that would be good. Um, 
it's so interesting with the cruiserweight thing. I mean, they could do something like this, Corey. There's so many guys out there. They could do something like this all the time, um, you know, once a year probably. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, doing a heavyweight thing I think might be corny. Um, but definitely a women's one. Um, for You know, and they could do a different one every year. They don't have to do cruiserweight every year. They can do cruiserweight and women's. But I think no matter what, they should not do a women's tournament yet. They should wait a little bit of time. Let, let the idea of how great this tournament was sink in with the fans a little bit and let them thirst for more. So um, I think a women's tournament is what they're going to do next, but I hope they don't rush that too long or, or, or too soon. I hope that's not too soon. We, we, get, a, we get a little bit of a wait. Uh, agreed. I mean, I, I would go with the tag team tournament next, but, you know, I can be convinced either way to – not doing anything again until next year and continue with the CWC thing for a little while before you go on to something else. So I can go either way. I'm not going to – I wouldn't be upset whatever they did here. But we've, we've talked about a lot of good things this week so far. Are you ready to turn into the slightly more – not angry Corey and Jason possibly, but getting to a little less positive thing most likely we're going to speak about this week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Monday Night Raw. We, I thought the first two hours of Raw were, were good. I mean, I thought the opening segment with the uh, Kevin Owens show, I thought that was done well. I'm still not sure if we're supposed to think Stephanie is a babyface or a heel from each segment. I, it was different, but... Yeah. I did, I'll say this before before you continue. I really enjoyed that. I know some people didn't. I really enjoyed that because you could say, oh, well, who cares? But the relationship between Mick and Steph, I think they've done a good job of making that feel like it is at least a little bit of a storyline. Mm-hmm. But they haven't, like, knocked you over the head with it. Um, and so I like that how they've done the kind of, you know, big sister or big brother, little sister thing with uh, Stephanie and Mick. And the fact that Triple H went in his own wife's face and, and kind of challenged her a bit. And how Stephanie looked vulnerable. But I think in a three-hour show, you have to do something other than, okay, have a good wrestling match. You have to make other characters feel important. So I enjoyed what they did. I thought it was riveting TV. And uh, I like when there's kind of that ambiguity between, you know, who's doing what or who knows what or what's going on. So I really enjoyed that one. That was probably the best thing about Raw, um, other than the Owens, uh, the Owens-Zane match. But I'll let oh, we'll, you we'll, continue we'll, with your recap. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. But uh, last week on the show, you, you you felt that the right decision, or at least what you thought they were going to do, was going to go Triple H and Owens being the baby faces in this, and Seth and Stephanie being the heels. Apparently, at least for week one, Seth looks like he's turned baby face. We're having the heel. Not sure what the relationship yet is with Triple H, because we didn't see Triple H on the show, which is something I'd like to get into with you if we have time. But going the direction they did, do you like what they did with the direction, or would have you rather they gone with what you thought they were going to do with a babyface Kevin Owens? Uh, I'm okay with the either way. Um, I would have liked for, first of all, I don't know why Rollins is still doing the pedigree. That doesn't make any sense, why he's doing the move after the guy who he took the move from or patterned the move after just turned on him. So that doesn't make sense unless they build it up against pedigree against pedigree, but I think that's kind of, I, I didn't love that. But and I think Rollins is going to have some work to do to be a convincing babyface, even though the fans kind of like him anyway. 
Um, I think that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, as far as Owens goes, see that the problem with Triple H is so many people like him now. You know, the smart marks, the Cruiserweight Classic, I believe, was, was, was his idea, or at least he spearheaded it, NXT. So he's such kind of a baby face. That it'll, and Stephanie is such a heel. The way they ended that show was with Owens as a baby face. So I don't know. I, I'm okay either way because I think Owens is a good heel. And I do think Rollins, and we talked about this when we did this podcast, some of those first few episodes, how I thought Rollins would be a natural baby face and could be a natural good guy. Uh, so his transition to the baby face would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was—I thought it wasn't bad. Um, I enjoyed that segment with Owens, and he's great on the mic. And now we're gonna get Owens. It is gonna be the Kevin Owens show. I mean, he is gonna be on the show all the time, mm-hmm. which is a good thing, in my opinion. All right, and I—I I agree. I—I I, I like the idea of Seth because I thought Seth uh, always was meant to be a babyface. So I think this is gonna be a good, interesting thing to see where this goes. And, you know, what they do with him and, you know, Roman now, if they're both baby faces, they cure him. But the other the other positive on the show, before we get to at least, I'm going to say some negatives, is I, I don't even know if it's a positive or not, but do you think they're moving too fast with, uh, with Bailey getting into the picture with the women's title when she's only been there for a short period of time and the charm of Bailey in NXT was the, like, kind of like the ultimate underdog? No, because she's not an NXT, you know? And we all know she's not an underdog. She's really, really good. She's had she had two of the best matches of the year last year. And I think we kinda know who Bailey is. We know she's awesome. Um, now I they they are keeping her kind of, you know, goofy, you know, Bailey hug character, which I think is important. But the fans are, like, really into her, and they're really cheering her on. So I don't think we need to do an underdog thing. On um, NXT, we didn't... Bailey came from this woman who just hugged people, who was okay in the ring, who got hurt a bunch of times, and really, really evolved into the, the wrestler we see today. And I think a lot of the smart marks have seen that. And I think even if they, even if you aren't a smart mark and haven't seen it, you have a pretty good idea of who Bailey is. So I don't mind that they're positioning her so strong. I think the problem with the women's division on Raw is there's only like two women. And, you know, well, Sasha's back. So you have three women. I mean, they're so top heavy that you literally have three women in there. You have Dana Brooke, who's a, who's a jobber, who still has a lot of work to do. Emma's hurt. Alicia Fox is crazy, and Nia Jax is just beating up random women every week. So it's so top-heavy that they felt like, I guess, they needed to push Bailey to that spot um, and make, you know, you know, like, you know, the one thing is that 50-50 booking that you always talk about. Now we've got Bailey in the title hunt. We've got Sasha in the title hunt. Charlotte's the champion. So, you know, I don't know. Do I love it? I- absolutely not. I think that Seeing that Sasha is healthy, I probably should have lost the title in the first place, to be honest with you. But um, it is what it is, and we'll see what happens at the pay-per-view. Well, some of these women definitely are top-heavy. Um, but getting on to the... That was absolutely awful. Go ahead. Hey, they can't all be winners. <laughs> and speaking of they can't all be winners, that third hour of Roa. Okay, 
we go from the new the old day, which I think is one of the worst segments of the year, to more of Titus and uh, Titus and Darren Young, which uh, will never end. We get a Braun Strow uh, Strongman, whatever the hell his name is, squash match. We uh, there was one other thing in that you know basically forty five minute block before we had uh, the main event. But that was some of the worst TV I've seen in a while. And if you can defend the, the, the old day, new day, whatever that segment was called, have your fun at it because that was just hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, listen, great is what it is. You know, there's going to be things that we really like on the show and there's going to be things that we don't. I, I think my problem more with the segment itself, which was absolutely terrible, was more of like what they're doing with the board. You know, Jason Powell and, and guys like him have noted this. They were, they're a kick-ass, beat-people-up team. And they have done a little bit of that, but, you know, the comedy has really kind of fallen flat. And unless it's funny, if it's not funny, it's terrible, then um, I think that's the issue. Um, I think the issue is this isn't funny, what they're doing. And so because it's not funny, it's awful. And wrestling is really weird in that way. You know, the New Day are kind of naturally funny. They know each other, and they've kind of let them ride. I think, you know, Anderson and Gallows is having people write stuff for them, you know, that they think is funny. I, I feel like this is all a Vince special, by the way. This, oh, yeah, this, I agree. This, is, this smells like Vince. Now, I don't know if he's, like, specifically writing this. I don't think he is. But I think the writers are giving this to him, and then he's saying, well, do this instead, and blah, blah, blah. So I think Vince is laughing his ass off with the storyline to our detriment for sure. Um, so I think it hasn't been a great story. And, um, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. I do expect, and I, you know, and I know we got the paper with that show in a couple, or is it next week? Two weeks. Two, Jesus. Um, I do expect Anderson and Gallows to win the titles. But, yeah, it just wasn't great. You know, we got Strongman in there. But like I said, Bruh's not going to be great every week. Um, I thought the first hour was, was pretty solid. I enjoyed the Rollins Jericho match. But it's just, it's not going to be great every week. It just isn't. But the, the, the club and New Day segments, that feud has just in general really fallen flat for me. And it, I think it had a potential to be much better than it's been. I, I totally agree. And the last item from Raw, can someone explain to me? Maybe I'm just totally overthinking this, and I know 90% of the time I am, but we had are. we had a, ba- a battleground, supposedly the end of the feud. This was the last time these two guys were going to face each other, especially with the idea of the, you know, the draft coming up. We thought they might be on different shows. But the idea of having Owens versus Zayn just in another random match on Raw, I know that Sammy did a decent promo saying, you know, since... Since the draft, nothing has gone my way. This is my chance to go and get things back in line. But shouldn't you, if these guys are facing each other, shouldn't this be built up into a big thing? I mean, I'm stealing Jason Powell's idea, which he has said on Twitter, the idea of, you know, you could even go as far as having Sammy having to win the Rumble in order to actually get a shot at, you know, um, Owens. But that match had such a feel of, this is the last time these two guys are going to face each other for quite a while. And a month, month later, I know things changed due to injuries to Finn Balor, but the idea of having them just all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, Mick Foley saying, all right, you're, you're facing Sami Zayn in the main event tonight. 
it just kind of felt like, what do we have any idea what storytelling is in this company? Well, they do because they've done it. I mean, let, let, let's not go there. Uh, they've done great stories this year, but um, and even the Zane Owens thing was a great story until they decided to do this. Agreed. So That's what I was giving I, just, well, I, that, I think Corey, they felt like they didn't have a choice, and they needed to put him against somebody in the main event. And Zayn is a person that they know the fans relate to and would be credible in the main event. That's why they put him in the main event, because they know he's a credible opponent and he'll get a good match out of Owens. And the fans will, the fans can accept that um, as a main event level match. And that's why they did it. Do I like it? Absolutely not. Um, but I, I think they probably didn't feel like they had much of a choice, which I get to. I, I guess. I mean, which led to... Uh... My last question on Raw. When we talk next week, will it be a three-way for the title at Clash of Champions, or will we still have a single, a one-on-one match? Basically, what I'm asking you is, does Roman Reigns in a non-title match beat Kevin Owens on Raw, or does this no, stay as... No, I don't Owens? think so. No, I don't think so. I think Owens wins the match, um, and it becomes a rounds against Owens, uh, against Owens' match. And I say that because if you're building Rollins as the babyface, you need to put the focus on him. Put the focus on Rollins and that he's mad. And if eventually they're building towards a Rollins Triple H thing. Now him beating up Reigns is just a matter of, you could say, of, of the WrestleMania match. So they could kind of say that that's whatever. But the Rollins thing is a bit more personal. So if you're doing a triple threat match, things get kind of, sometimes triple threat matches, things get kind of mixed in there and thrown in there that shouldn't be. I think you need to keep the focus simple, keep it on Rollins, and I, I do think Triple H, you know, screws Rollins and that sets up a match between the two of them. Um, but I would prefer to not see Reigns involved. Not because I hate Reigns at all, but because I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think it makes sense to build Rollins as the babyface going into the match. Him alone. I, I agree. And do you think... Uh... It just this goes right back to uh, Rusev had his second wedding in Bulgaria or whatever, and we get the IC title rematch at Clash of Champions with him and Rusev, or do we see another direction for Roman Reigns? I mean, I don't know, Corey. I mean, maybe. I would think that's where they would go. That's where I originally thought they would go, and I think that's probably where they were going to go before Balor's injury. So, the most logical step is that they go back to that. I mean, maybe maybe Rusev costs him the match or something like that to set something up with them. I could I could see that, but you know, I don't know. I, I part of me thinks that they don't have yet one hundred percent full faith. Not that they don't fit. How do I put this? I don't think they have one hundred percent faith that Owens is going to be able to draw on a pay per view or a network special yet. That they might go with the trip. I could see them going with the triple threat. So they can protect Owens possibly and protect Seth where, you know, Owens, where, you know, Reigns can still take the fall and you still keep the other two guys strong leading yeah, into a future match. And I, I don't disagree with that, but we got to remember, right, these aren't pay-per-views anymore. The network specials. So if they could take chances on these shows now and they don't have to have, I mean, they don't have to have, they don't have to really protect guys anymore because it's not a pay-per-view. Um, they don't have to worry about having a certain amount of people buy this one show. 
Um, and because of that, I think you can kind of take a chance and have Owens in the main event and not, you don't need to have him protected in my opinion. All right. So. I mean, like I said, I hope you're right, but gut feeling watching wrestling all these years, I feel that there's a good chance we get a triple threat. Yeah, it's, uh, listen, it's very pot. I'm not saying no. I think there's a better chance of that than CM Punk winning, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a lot of things that are a better chance than CM Punk winning, but hey, yeah. we, we, we do hope that he, you know, he looks good at least. Uh, but uh, getting quickly into SmackDown before we close the show out in a few. Uh, SmackDown, once again, I, I didn't think was a spectacular show, but being two hours truly helped. I think they did a pretty solid job preparing us for Backlash on Sunday. But I guess the first thing to bring up on a couple of quick thoughts, what did you think of the turn of the Usos? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, well, it's funny because now you know, we talked about you know how much we enjoyed Talking Smack. I watched Talking Smack before I watched SmackDown. Oh, okay. So I kind of had an idea on some of the things that were going to happen, which is fine. But um, I'm glad they turned them. They've been building up to that, and Talking Smack, they built up to that. Um, you know, a couple of weeks before, they, they were on there and talked about how they are really getting respect from the WWE Universe and stuff like that. So I thought it was good, and um, I enjoyed what they did with American Alpha and uh, setting up that feud, which I think could really, really be very, very good, and could really start bringing some stuff out in American Alpha in terms of their promos and, and really, really getting the fans behind them. And I think the fans are ready to start booing the Usos anyway. So I think that's that's good. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that storyline. I like what they're doing with them. And you know what? I think they were ready to start booing the, the Usos quite a while ago when they were with uh, Roman Reigns. I think that yeah, would have been... That, that's when they, I mean, that's when the fans really started to turn on it. Absolutely. Um, we'll get more into that when we get to the pay-per-view preview. But uh, what, was your, what was your thoughts on the amount that they were pushing... Uh, this six-pack elimination challenge uh, this week. Yeah, I mean, the women's, that's one of the biggest matches on the show, right? I mean, it really is. And so um, I like how much they're, how much of an opportunity they're giving the women. You know, it's a two-hour show, and there's six of them, and I think they've done a nice job of making them all stand out in one way or the other while positioning Nikki and Becky as the top of the class but not burying the other part of the division either. Saying, well, anybody could beat anyone, but Becky and Nikki are clearly the two most over women. So I really think they've done a great job. And the crowd's really behind Becky. I really like, you know, where she's been and what they've done with her. So, yeah, I've enjoyed the, the, the women's feud and, and the women's segments. And um, it should be a decent match. The six-pack challenges could be just a, uh, you know, a it, it could be a crap show with the, the six people in the ring and, just a bunch of craziness. And it's an elimination match, correct? Correct. Um, you know, hopefully they, you know, eliminate Carmella and Alexa Bliss early and, you know, kind of get down to brass tacks where there's only three women in the ring, something like that. So um, we'll see. But I have enjoyed what they've done with them, and I'm glad they're highlighting. Well, I think then we may disagree a little bit when we get to predictions in a few minutes when it comes to that. But um, last thing, I guess, on SmackDown itself, what was your thoughts of that final angle leading into the pay-per-view with, uh, once again, a jokey, not very serious uh, Dean Ambrose? Basically the opposite that we saw in the build for SummerSlam, you know, going back to the lunatic fringe type of character. And AJ with, you know, the bowling trophy and ending the show with another guy, you know, holding his nuts. 
Yeah, I didn't love it at all. Really thought it was very, very weak. Um, I do think AJ's been good in general, though. Um, I do think he's done a good job. Um, Ambrose has been back to what we talked about, the kind of jokey guy, not taking him seriously. Um, and maybe, I don't know if they continue this feud or whatever, um, but they probably, I mean, we'll see what predictions go, but I have not liked at all where they've gone with it. I, the ball stuff, I think, is so freaking 1980s. It's so corny. Um, I, I don't know why. They, and that's got to be a Vince special, too. I mean, maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. But I, I'm, I'm over the ball stuff. Like, it's not funny. It's stupid. And the, the bowling trophy this is the closest you're going to get. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was, it's just really silly. Um, and... It's not compelling. Unlike the Ziggler, uh, Ziggler Ambrose thing, which was a compelling storyline, this is not compelling at all. N- not even close. Uh, agreed. Totally agree on that. So let's get to, uh, before we get to Backlash, let's get to our favorite show of the week. And a couple of weeks ago, I would have said it would have been Luke's Underground at this point of the year. But our, our favorite show of the year, it's a half hour length, which is great. It's very, not a lot of kayfabe. Talking, talking smack, where uh, we basically take back the uh, the curtains and we find out who's dating who. Basically, you know, Dolph Ziggler asking, you know, Renee, if you'll be, you know, will you be picking your boyfriend on Sunday in his match? I mean, the idea that we, we learn more about characters, aka Apollo Cruz, on, uh, on on talking smack than we do on, on SmackDown. I mean, what was your thoughts on this week's Talking Smack? I thought it was really good. Um, well, let me just say the best TV show is the Cruiserweight Classic, but um, but yes, I think Talking Smack has been very good. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, Ziggler said what we have said about Cruz. He's just a smiling guy, happy to be there, and we need to see more out of him. That's literally what we have said in this podcast multiple times, and I think Apollo Cruz knows that too. And I like even how Ziggler talked about what Cruz likes. Like, what do you like to do? Um, you know, what do you, what do you like to wear, blah, blah, blah. And he tried to get more out of him. So I even like that kind of aspect of it. Yeah, I think the show is great. Um, and, and they have really built storylines off this show. The Miz thing, the Usos. Um, I, I think it's been tremendous. And I, I thought it was, re- I really think that this is a, pr- and I know that we say this, you know, multiple times, but this really is a show that can help get guys help get guys over, you know? I mean, and I know that I'm sure 95% of it is still story-based and they're telling some of these guys what to and not to say and they may have, you know, some points to come out, but as these people are out there, you're sitting there going, these are some really interesting things you're learning about these people and you start to see that basically how much freedom some of these people have. I mean... I mean, I, Renee Young basically was saying it jokingly, but at this point, Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan can say basically whatever he wants on that show because, you know, he just basically doesn't care at this point, you know? No. No. He definitely doesn't <laughs> care. Uh, he definitely... And it was very interesting, and we got to move on to, to finish this paper, uh, do the paper preview, but it was interesting where they talked with Bryan and how natural he seems to be and with Shane, who I think has not been great, or even on SmackDown, he's flubbed his lines and whatever. 
um, where Shane really came off as like not natural and not super comfortable on that show, which I'm surprised about. And, um, you know, that was my one observation from the show this week. Shane really didn't come off as a kind of a natural guy. He kind of came off as he needed to be more guarded and needed not to say stuff. So that was interesting. But overall, yeah, it was a very good show. And Brian says whatever the hell he wants to on there. Like, it's that part is interesting. I don't think they're scripting his line. (laughs) Really at all. Oh, no. I mean, I really don't. I'll say this, Corey. I do at some point see him getting heat for what he said. I think he's going to say something and get heat. I think that's going to happen 100%. I mean, what, a couple of weeks? Was it this week or last week? He he mentioned TNA on there. I mean, he just doesn't care. It's just amazing. Yeah, he'll get, he's going to get heat for something eventually because there's they're letting him go so much that eventually he's going to take it, you know, take it to another level. Absolutely. But I will give them credit. It is a, it's one of those shows every week I'm watching. I mean, I will give them credit for that. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on to uh, Backlash. As of right now, it's seven matches, six that we know about, but a seven will come as a result of one of them. So let's quickly get into some of this. Miz versus Dolph Ziggler, I think that they've done a good job building this, especially on the stuff that has been said on Talking Smack. I think Miz should win this match, which leads to Dolph Ziggler turning heel with frustration. What do you think? That's a pretty good prediction. Um, that's a pretty good prediction. I mean, how many heels can you have, though, on the show? Um, I, I think the issue that you have is I would have predicted Miz to win the match, except they've got to do something with Ziggler. They can't have him lose. He lost a world title uh, match. Then he lost to AJ right after that. Then if he lost to the Miz, he'd lose three matches in a row. I think it'd be tough. I think Ziggler wins the title, and they start a Ziggler-Miz feud. I'm just, just, you'll probably be right, but just to kind of switch things up. Oh, maybe. I mean, like I said, I, I'm going to go with the Miz. All right, uh, we got Randy Orton versus Bray. No matter what, Corey, I'll say this. Sorry to interrupt. They, they're going to have to do something with Ziggler. Um, they can't have him just lose the match, and then that's it. I think it's important that they do something with him, whether he loses the match or wins the match. They, they, they've got to do something with him. I, I hope you're right. Uh, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. You would think that you'd give Randy Orton his win back after losing and getting basically killed by uh, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, but Bray Wyatt needs to start winning some feuds and becoming a character that we care about again. So, I mean, I don't know what they do here. I would go with Bray Wyatt, but Orton has been at this company for, you know, 13-plus years or more. One of those guys that always gets a rebound when I think. Uh, wh- where do you see? I-, I think Gray Wyatt, but I would not be surprised at all if they make Randy Orton a winner of this match. Yeah, I'm going to predict they go with some screwy finish where neither guy wins. Because, one, they have a pay per view. They're going to have, yeah, they're going to have a pay per view in October as well. So they, they you know, they're, they're going to need matches. You don't want to hurt Gray's momentum, I don't think, this quickly. Um, he hasn't really. He wasn't even on SummerSlam. I don't. So you know, he hasn't. I don't think he's even won a match against SmackDown on SmackDown against anyone of any relevance. So you really don't want to hurt him. But Orton obviously got his ass kicked at SummerSlam. Literally got his, his ass kicked. So you want to keep him looking strong too. So I think the best bet here is to have some type of 
screwy finish, maybe a DQ, maybe a, I don't know about a count out, but I, I do predict some type of screwy finish here. Uh, well, so, that, so that's our screwy finish of the night. All right. Uh, Usos versus the Hypros. I would think that you got to make the Usos look strong, especially after them turning. But at the same point, you could have, you know, America come out and cost them. I'm going to go with the Usos advancing to the finals in a match of the two losing teams. Where do you see this going? I agree. And uh, to your point about American Alpha, I don't think they do that just because they said Chad Gable's out. Um, so he's hurt. So I think it'd be one of those things where we're not going to see Gable. They just announced five days ago, well, three days ago, that he was out for two to four weeks. I don't see him then showing up and trying to beat up the Usos. So I don't see that happening. Um, but I, So I see the Usos winning and, and them losing against Slater and uh, Rhino. Okay, that, that was the next question. Uh, we've discussed this many times on this show, the idea of does Heath Slater matter once he actually gets the contract? And I, I don't know. I, th- I think you might be right here. I think the Usos become the first... Uh, well, actually, I'm going to disagree with you that. I think the Usos are going to be the first uh, tag team champions, which will set up the hunt for when Alpha returns. And I think that's smart, the idea of Alpha chasing the titles than being that being the champions right now. So I don't know where they go with this. I think we have – I think the Usos win the titles on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. The reason why I don't think they do that is to set up an American Alpha Usos feud. And you don't need the title at stake to do that because that feud is, those are the two best tag teams in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they're kind of winding down this Slater thing with him eventually getting it. I think that's the story they're telling. That's where they're going with it. And what do you do with him after if he loses? So I think that's the issue too. Does he go back to being a, you know, whatever? I don't think they do that. So. I, uh, the other thing is, you need the Usos in that match because you need a heel uh, tag team for them to go against. So they're rooting for Slater and Rhino, which they really, really are. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to do that because of the hype bros or, or, or a team like that. So who need the momentum? So I see the Usos winning, going against Slater and Rhino, and Slater and Rhino winning. Now, to your point about does this hurt? Does do people kind of say, okay, he's got the contract now? Who cares? Maybe. But maybe they've built a guy, and now he's funny, people like him. Now maybe we don't need it to be that. You know, maybe we don't need it to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they say if he loses the title at this time, then he, you know, if he doesn't have the title for this amount of time, then he, then he gets his contract ripped up. Or he's, you know, as long as he has the title, he has a contract. But if he loses the title, he doesn't have it. I mean, I think there's still things they can do to make this, to make it interesting. Um, and so I do see Slater and Rhino winning the belts. Alright, um, as of right now, I'm guessing your co-main event, because it's a bu- not buffer, but it's going to be a nice change of pace. We got the six-pack challenge here of the elimination match. Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Carmella, Naomi, Natalia, and Nikki Bella, the, uh, the, the longest reigning uh, Divas champion at the time. I, you know what, I'd like to see an Alexa Bliss or maybe a Car... I don't know about Car... Either Alexa Bliss or Carmella with a title, and preferably Alexa Bliss, because I, I think there's... I think she can be a good heel champion that, you know, you 
still not sure if she really deserves to be there. And I just think, you know, the idea of the first champion, Becky Lynch, she might deserve it the most, but I'm just not sure if her getting the title right away is the right move. But you but you definitely disagree because you thought Alexa Bliss and Carmella should be eliminated from this match right away, which you said earlier. Well, no, no, I didn't say, I, I, that was just two examples. Oh, okay. I, I, think, I think the people who are eliminated will be eliminated quickly so we can kind of get down to brass tacks and get down to the, the main people. Um, you know, some, some, they're setting up a Nikki Carmella feud, right? Sure. So I think that feud could be independent of the title. Mm-hmm. So that eliminate that would eliminate them. Um, you know, an underdog that you could see win the title, maybe Naomi, um, because right now Becky Lynch doesn't need the title. She's pretty over. Um, and Naomi's someone who's kind of been floating around for a while, kind of been, you know, doing her thing and trying to figure it out. Was her... And so she's someone who could get it. I'm still going to go with Becky Lynch because she's the best wrestler in the division. She was the number one women's draft pick of the division. The fans are by far and away most behind her in the division. And so I think they give her the belt. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll see who's right on that one. Uh, our final. So you're, so you're saying Alexa Bliss is going to win the title? I think so, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Because, and just generally, I think you can go and separate these these women into individual feuds. And I still think you have, like you said, Carmella and Nikki in a feud. I think you're going to have uh, Natalia and Becky Lynch in a feud. And I think your first feud for the title can be Bliss versus um, Naomi. And I think that can work with, you know, if that's how you bring back Eva Marie after a suspension, helping out Bliss or something. You know, so I, so I see there's. Ideas that could be, with the, especially with the heel champion, I think, could work. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, well, our final advertised match, I mean, it's a three-hour show with the pre-show, so they could add, you know, maybe Kalisto versus Baron Corbin or something else, in the, which we don't know about. But we got Dean Ambrose, everyone's favorite transitional champion, or should have been one, versus uh, AJ Styles. I think I'm going with the obvious pick here. I think it's AJ Styles' time. I think he's gotten over. I think... We're building a story of at either Survivor Series or Rumble, the return of John Cena, and when John Cena comes back, I think it will be for the title. So I'm going with AJ Styles winning this title. I think they should have a good match. I don't think it will be a great match because I don't think Ambrose is that great in the ring all the time. But I'm going to go with AJ Styles. This is his moment. AJ Styles, new champion, coming out of uh, Backlash. I agree. I think um, AJ is riding that wave of momentum, having beat Cena. I think the natural progression that they're going with him is for him to win the title. Uh, he, you know, he's calling himself the face to run the plays. I think it makes sense, and then maybe have Cena come back and challenge him. I think the match will be okay. I think Ambrose is, is I think Ambrose is very inconsistent. I think sometimes he has really good matches, and then sometimes he spends too much time kicking and punching, and the matches are not great. Um, so I, I think it'll, it'll be decent. And Styles is, you know, so kind of best in-ring worker in pro wrestling today. So I think it'll be a decent match for sure. But st- the way they're going with Styles is naturally for him to win this match. So, but also to continue the feud. I felt like, you know, maybe because Ambrose didn't take him seriously or kind of was the jokey Ambrose, he's going to need to lose the title to kind of get some of that back. So we'll see. But I do think Styles wins the belt for sure. I usually ask you this at the beginning. I totally forgot. But uh, 
what's your interest level on this pay-per-view? One to one to ten. Uh, I'll say a five. Um, I think that main event match will be interesting. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see who wins the women's match. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Slater and Rhino if they do have them win the title, title, which I think they do. And where do they go with Bray and Orton? You know, does do they make one of them lose clean? And if so, what happens to the other one? So, yeah, and some I, good, some good, some good, some good stories with intrigue. I think. And you know what? And that's why I'm actually, for the rare time, I'm actually more interested in this show than you are. I, because of all these stories and what they're doing here. I'm, I'm going to go with like a seven. Or, I'm going to go with a seven. I mean, I know that's most likely be surprising for some because I'm usually not this positive going into most of these shows. But I think on paper this could be a good show and hoping for a lot here. So um, also, also Brock is out, so Arizona is probably going to kill uh, New England. <laughs> so that's also that also could be part of the factor as well. That's that's true. Uh, last story of the week. Uh, it's official now. Alberto Del Rio, once again, has is gone with the company. Um, there are stories out there that Paige has quit. None of the, quote-unquote, you know, A-reliable uh, places have said that this is true yet. So well, she has had, we, know, we know she's having some trouble. We right. know that there's issues. We don't know that she's gone, but we know she may be on her way out. Right. So I don't, I'm not going to comment right now on... Her status to the company, but uh, any quick thoughts in closing in regards to uh, either Del Rio's run the second time around or where you see him going from here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it, right? Uh, I think on last week's show, his run has been terrible. It's been absolutely terrible. They've misused him. They probably should have brought him back as a baby face. The fans really liked him from his run at Lucha Underground and his run with Ring of Honor, and they did a terrible job with him. He has a lot of options. Um, it's interesting to do a press conference in Mexico, which means he might sign with AAA or, or one of those companies. Um, I think the TNA talk is still real, but TNA, I think, has to kind of get their financial situation in order. But I think he would be a good get for them. Um, and I, you know, Lucha Underground definitely is a possibility for season four. So but they've got to get their money stuff in order, too. So a lot of options for Del Rio, for sure. Uh, I think he, and I think he should parlay himself as a total free agent and just be independent with every company he's at. That that's if I were him, the kind of power and stroke he has, that's where I would go if I were him. Try to be as independent with every company as you can to be on every show that you can be on. I uh, I think I think that would be really really interesting. So you know we'll see if that happens for him and you know how that how that works for sure. I, you know what? I don't say this very often, but I totally agree with you. I mean, I think he should do what Cody Rhodes is doing right now. He's going to work for Ring of Honor at the end of the year. He did the Battle of Los Angeles. Apparently, he might be in uh, TNA, but not signing a deal with them. So I think he should keep his options open. I, it will be interesting to see what the interest level is for him the second time around. But I do think that if he's motivated, he could be one of the best guys in the industry. And I'm hoping that we see him more, and I don't think he's going to go to New Japan or anything, but I do hope no. to see him in the, the near future in, you know, Ring of Honor again, or TNA, or Lucha Underground. I mean, the one thing I would say that hurts Lucha Underground, the idea of Lucha Underground is, season three is totally filmed already, 
Yeah. And season four, he can do stuff for, but the stuff he does there won't air for you know at least another year. So I think that yeah. could be a factor here. But um, yeah, but he could, but he could just. He, I mean, he could still do stuff for them. You know what I mean? Whether they, you know, because they might start filming season four soon. Who the hell knows their schedule? But this is the other thing. I just want to make a quick note. Sure. We're talking about TNA, and I still can't watch the show, but it is what it is. Uh, they are building, if Cody goes there, and if, uh, uh, now he'll be El Patron, now Belto Del Rio, Belto El Patron goes there, they'll have quite the roster. I mean, they really will. And the fact that creative, according to everybody who we've read, according to you, has been better, great. They might have a sneaky chance of, I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be anything crazy, but they have a sneaky chance of doing some really, really good things heading into next year. Hey, as long, hey, but as long as they're on a network that half the people can't see, it's going to be hard. And I agree. I I, I, I don't disagree with you, but um, you know, if they what are they having like three hundred fifty thousand people still watching? I mean, if they can bump those numbers up, and you know, I, I'm just saying that they're going to have some more people that that the average person, the average wrestling fan recognizes, and that's the people they need to get. Uh, agreed. And uh, after Jay does his. Uh, Great, great thing he always does in the show, telling people how they can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'll give my quick thoughts before we call it a day on Final Deletion, I guess, two, Delete versus Decay, which is something that I think everyone has to see. But, uh, Jay, how about you take it away with letting people know how uh, they can follow me and the show and everything else on Twitter and all the other places we're on? Sure. Um, we are at Work to Shoot Pod and at Paladin808. Uh, follow us on Twitter for sure. Uh, go to our website, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash, backslash work shoot podcast. Um, and also subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, just, uh, type in work shoot wrestling podcast. Please leave a review. Reviews really, really help us and help our show. So that'd be great. Also, we're on Stitcher at the work shoot wrestling podcast and check out our Facebook group and page. Just type in the work shoot wrestling podcast on Facebook. Our group is is more of you know you guys and us. We're all just talking wrestling on there, and then the page is where we just kind of put you know put wrestling stuff on there, put our links to our show on there. So subscribe, like us, love us, listen to us. Uh, very well done. Uh, now, Jay, as Jay said, he hasn't had a chance as of yet to uh, sleep, to see uh, Delete versus Decay, but it's just like the first one. It's one of those things that you're either going to love or hate. It's totally out there. It's it's bizarre. But I don't know if I've just, over the years, have just just maybe grown more of a sense of humor when it's come to wrestling over watching all the stuff that we have to see in TNA and WWE over the years. But there's something about the broken Mad Party character and everything that goes on that it's just so... It's so funny. And it's just got... It hits a chord where you can just turn off your brain for 12 or 13 minutes. And even, like, I thought one of the funniest things on there was what they didn't put in the clip they put on YouTube, which is actually on the show, with the idea of them training with uh, with the animals and the spirit of Smoking Joe Frazier as a kangaroo and him talking about spot monkeys who are mindless and doing a, a nod to the young bucks. I mean, it is just... The, the stuff that Matt Hardy's doing right, uh, Matt Hardy's doing right now is just on another level of just of just he's on a level that you know he may not be the best wrestler in the world anymore, and I don't think it's even close that he's no longer as good as he used to be. 
But this character, over the last year and a half, might be the most interesting character in all of wrestling. And yeah, uh, oh, that's. It, I, mean, he's, I mean, is he is he doing the promos of a style that you know a Kevin Owens is doing? That's a different type of thing. But just as a character and how much he's taken into this and the different levels that he's been able to do, I just think it's one of those things that he's one of those guys who's much, much, uh, must watch every week. And he's one of those reasons why I got back into, and I think a lot of people have given TNA a chance again. I mean, well, he did, he did bring in viewers. I mean, no matter what you want to say, he absolutely brought in viewers. And that Jeff Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy, Matt, the final deletion one brought in a lot of viewers that they had not had. So uh, that that storyline did create money for the company, for sure. So I definitely dis- I definitely agree with that. I mean, um, just in closing here, it was uh, Barry Werner on uh, Fox, foxsports.com. He wrote about the, uh, the Broken Man Hardy, uh, Delete versus Decay, and the very first sentence. The character turn Matt Hardy has made on Impact Wrestling has been vexing, perplexing, bizarre, twisted, strange, and all at once entertaining. And you know what? For something that is a form of entertainment, it's not a sport, that's the one thing that you want. You want something that's entertaining and that makes you say, wow. You know, and he's, he has that oddity and just strangeness that makes you want to come back and watch every week. I mean, I hope by the next the next time we talk, you'll have a chance to watch... Uh, at least the main part of the K versus uh, Delete, which is leading up to Bound for Glory, uh, a show that I think that I don't know if more than seven people will see. But I it's really, gonna be, it's, that's going to actually be on pay per view, right? Right. Yeah, that will be yeah. in October second. I don't know what uh, what football game or whatever else will be going up against it that night. But I'm really interested in seeing where they go with all this stuff. And for the first time in a while, I can actually say that. I don't know if the word's proud, but I'm not ashamed to be a, a person who watches TNA, you know? I mean, and it's got a lot to do with Matt Hardy. So, uh, Jay, I think we covered a lot of things this week. CM Punk is fighting in about four hours. I'm going to really enjoy seeing how that works out. But uh, as we do every week, the floor is yours, sir. I think we're done here. See ya.